Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed, and my brother and I discovered a new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Welcome back to What's Alpa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever after The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And this week, we wanted to give a special shout out to our friend Jahan, who read the intro. We want to invite more of our friends and listeners to read the intro in the future. So stay tuned or hit us up on social media or our email for a chance to be featured. So this one, uh, this is episode three of our podcast where we will be meeting the warriors of Kiyoshi. So let's just get right into the episode, um, starting from the beginning. So first, we get a little previously on Avatar action, as usual. And just a reminder, last time we went to the Southern Air Temple, we um, got to see Aang's childhood home. We also met uh, Commander Zhao and had a little uh, kind of got a sense of the dynamic between him and Zuko. And that culminated in their epic Agni Kai. At the Southern Air Temple, we learned a little bit more about the Avatar cycle. We met Avatar Roku, and we also found out tragically that Monkey Yasuo is dead and Aang had the realization that he really is the last airbender. So pretty heavy stuff um, going into this episode. Um, so the first scene of this episode is Zuko on his ship meditating. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's too many interesting things going on in this, in this scene, but there's great um, allusions to future things. For example, when the scene is established and it pans over, we see two swords hanging up on the wall which are the swords that the blue spirit uses which if you pick Ooh, that up who's the blue spirit <laughs> who's the blue spirit <laughs> um, wow, i wonder and the swords are also called pian daos um Ooh. wow who's pian <laughs> who's pian <Dao? laughs> so the next scene is the crew on appa um you know, going nowhere fast. Um, but yeah, he is very goal oriented. This episode really wants to show them the koi, uh, the elephant koi. Um, but before they get there, we have a little banter between team avatar. So Katara is sewing um, Sokka's pants and Aang is trying to impress Katara uh, with his little, the trick that he pulls out the most in this episode, which is a new little marble trick that he gets. Uh, he gets these marbles to spin around in his hands. Um, and she clearly is not, amused and not impressed and just you know really like shrugs him off and I think Sokka calls Aang an airhead here which is funny I just it stuck out to me because Aang I feel like is the character who gets the most nicknames throughout the show and it's just starting in this episode so he gets called another nickname later in the episode but you know Toph comes in in season two calling him a new name like every like five minutes um anyways Katara is really just not paying Aang any attention at all yeah, I, I think the the Marvel trick that Aang does comes back a lot in this episode. And it's interesting to see how the people around him react to whenever he does a small Marvel trick. So this just sets it up right at the beginning. Yeah. And then so, yeah, again, Sokka is like calls him an airhead, you know, and then he says, you know, girls need their space when they're doing their sewing. Um, and then Katara, you know rightfully gets really annoyed and says what does me being a girl have to do with sewing and Sokka says simple girls are better at fixing pants than guys and guys are better at hunting and fighting and stuff like that it's just the natural order of things so basically this is right off the bat setting Sokka up for his mini arc that he goes through Very during Sokka this episode, episode which is just 
it is a very soccer heavy episode, but just, you know, him being a sexist misogynist and they're really, I mean, we've gotten hints of it from the first two episodes. Um, but I think right now they're just laying it on thick. Like, you know, that's just an absurd thing to say. Yeah. So then, um, Sokka's pantsless and it's okay because they're going to play with elephant koi. So the first thing is that Katara is like, okay, like we can, you know, maybe stopping here isn't that great of an idea. And she points out that she points out that at this rate, they won't reach the North Pole by spring, I think she says. So I wonder, the first thing I wondered is what's what season is it if they're trying to get to the North Pole before spring or so winter time, winter time, maybe Um, this never really comes into play, which I was kind of a little disappointed about. Um, another thing that was pretty interesting here is Katara is usually not the one who is the more responsible one, try to keep everyone's schedule. Like every time I think back, it's usually Sokka. Um, and we see this play out over the course of this episode and it doesn't go really well with her for her relationship with Aang. So I wonder if this is kind of the tipping point where after this, she's like, okay, after this, I'm going to let Sokka, Sokka hmm. be the responsible hmm. one. Or maybe this episode, they wanted more conflict between Katara and Aang. So instead of Sokka saying it, they had Katara say it. Just to start Ooh, things early. Just to spice things up. Yeah. Stir the pot. That's a, that's a good observation. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I mean, definitely Sokka takes on more of that role. And we see Katara later get sidetracked with her own personal things that she wants to engage with. For example, the episode with like Haru. But yeah, so again, motherly Katara is juxtaposed with Aang, who's trying to fool around. <laughs> and he, yeah, again, he starts to go swimming with these giant koi. Yeah. The first thing that jumped out to me is like Aang immediately strips to his underwear, like unabashed. <laughs> uh, Snaps for his confidence. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. He's I mean, a, I, mean I guess he grew up, up in a in a monk temple with all boy children around him. And maybe it was never that big a deal. I don't know. And he's trying to impress Katara here. He's like, he runs in. He's like, Katara, you got to watch me. That's a big theme of this episode. Aang trying to impress Katara. But unfortunately, this doesn't really work out for him because Sokka is like, wait look, there's something in the water. And then the Unagi appears, which is this giant eel monster that lives in the waters of around Kyoshi Island. Yeah. So Unagi actually is Japanese for freshwater eel. So that's like a pretty cool tie in. Mm. Um, It's Japanese for sushi. (laughs) (laughs) I guess sushi is Japanese for sushi. (laughs) Yes. Um, and, And they kind of pan out on the island sometime around this uh, part of the episode and it is an archipelago with like a crescent shape so there are a lot of allusions to Japanese culture and Japanese uh, history in this episode Um, but more more interesting to me uh, Aang somehow pulls out this crazy like water walking move so he's literally Jesus in this episode uh, which is also very impressive for a young 12 year old Uh, more points for airbending. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Ever said airbending was useless. <laughs> you get to walk on water too. I also just thought something else that was funny about this scene was after the Unagi appears, Momo is just going absolutely <laughs> ballistic. Like he's jumping up and down and he's shrieking. And since we just talked about D. Bradley Baker, the person who voices Appa and Momo, I was just imagining him voicing this scene because Momo <laughs> is going nuts. Um, 
yeah, so then they he does manage to escape and he gets back to shore, but not so fast. The Kiyoshi warriors show up and capture them basically immediately. Um, and Sokka says, show yourselves, cowards. And then they take off their blindfolds and Sokka again is putting his foot in his mouth and saying all these stupid things. Um, so he <laughs> says he sees all these Kiyoshi warriors surrounding him, which are all who are all female and then he says who are you and where are the men who ambushed us because he just thinks it's so implausible that any girls could have captured him because he's such a great warrior and this is just a thought I have for the whole episode in general but I just I mean they obviously started to set Sokka up as this really sexist boy um even from the very beginning even from the very first scene of the first episode but I'm just like why because I feel like the arc that he goes through in this episode is obviously that he overcomes that and Suhi kind of shows him that that he's wrong and that girls are just as good at being warriors and also should you know, deserve respect because of that but they resolve it really quickly just in this one episode. So I'm kind of wondering what's the point of including this arc? Because at least in my memory, I don't know that this character flaw of Sokka's comes up very often through the rest of the, throughout the rest of the show. Um, so I wanted to know what you guys thought. Hmm. I, I have a couple of thoughts, at least to give Mike and Brian some credit. They're very consistent when it comes to at least the patriarchy that exists in the Northern Water Tribe. When they get there, everyone there is um, still very much part of this society that, you know, puts down women and upholds men. Um, at the same time, though, I think they kind of write themselves into a corner if they don't resolve it quickly, because then mm. it, Suki can't really get with Sokka if he's still like a major sexist. My main thing is, <laughs> how was she like attracted to him at the end of this episode if he's still like very clearly this like evil, um, like misogynistic <laughs> person? Like maybe she likes bad boys. I don't know. <laughs> No, one note is that I think uh, I was reading that in this episode, Suki was basically meant to be a one-off character for this episode. She wasn't supposed to come back, but because everyone liked her so much, they kind of brought her back into the show and made Sokka and her an item. Yeah, I just, I, Justin, I think that's a good point. I think, you know, if they keep Sokka as this sexist character, first, it will be just kind of annoying to deal with. I think I couldn't take that much more sexist Sokka, but I wonder, yeah, I wonder what other options they had because it did feel like it was resolved too quickly he turns like he flips a switch pretty much immediately like after he has one session with the kiyoshi warriors so yeah i wonder i wonder would it have been better if it were a couple episodes if it were like another encounter with the kiyoshi warriors maybe maybe katara helps him resolve it mm. although they've been siblings for forever and she hasn't been able to so maybe not there one thing i'll say is that I think in this show in general, I think this episode exaggerates things a little more. But I think in this show in general, there are a lot of episodes where there are basically certain training sequences and people get extremely better at something in just one episode. So, for example, when mm -hmm. Aang learns earthbending, it basically, I know, again, it's, it's kind of multiple episodes, but it kind of spans mostly one episode. When Sokka learns how to become a sword master, that basically spans one episode so that is something they do. Yeah. But also, I just want to like, I do think it's a good, a good, obviously good arc to set up in a main character because this show is targeted towards young boys who might have these thoughts and to resolve it, resolve it maybe in a more exaggerated way gets the message across that mm. this is bad. Um, but, you know, I do want I do think it's really good that like they do dedicate a whole episode to Sokka's arc. Um, 
in becoming a better, a better person. Um, but it does feel a little bit unrealistic, but that's okay. You know, it is a kid's <laughs> show. and I, I just, I respect the fact that they even do that in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the Kyoshi warriors in and of themselves are pretty interesting. Um, when they come in, they come clad in this like very green armor and it's, they're actually kimonos, which are also a type of Japanese attire. Um, they have, they fight with fans, which is also very similar to Tessenjutsu, which is a type of Japanese martial arts that also employs fans. And finally, they wear white face paints, which is similar to kabuki actors or Chinese opera and geishas also wear them. Um, and kabuki theater is a type of Japanese theater. So a lot of hallmarks of Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the app, team avatars at this point tied up to a post in the center, in the village and the village leader um, I found out his name is Oyaji, but um, he is saying he says that Kiyoshi has stayed out of the war and we intend to intend to keep it that way. And then and then he's like, I know Kiyoshi. I'm an air. Uh, I'm the Avatar. And they're like, No, you're not. The Avatar is an Airbender. He hasn't been seen for hundreds of years. And then Katara's like, Hey, do some Airbending, which was funny because like, duh. <laughs> and yeah, then he proves to everybody that he's the Avatar. Yeah. So I thought this scene was interesting because. This is the first time that Aang uh, voluntarily owns up to being the Avatar. And right before Katara tells him to, or right before he decides he's going to say he's the Avatar, he has this look in this, he has a look in his face of kind of like a little sadness. He looks down a little bit and then he smiles Mm. and he's like, I'm the Avatar. (laughs) And so based on his arc from the last episode or the last few episodes and him struggling to come to terms with the fact that he's Avatar, it's cool to see that he finally accepts it and is willing to say it proudly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I think Aang does go come a long way in this episode with pride in being the avatar. Um, I also kind of, this question came to my mind, which was, which is when does the avatar card work? Because from here on out, I think a meme in the show is like, hi, I'm Aang. I'm the avatar. That's always his go-to line when he meets people as he starts to build confidence in this part of his identity. But sometimes it really backfires, right? Because there are a lot of people who are really pissed that he hasn't been around. Um, and I think it's interesting that in this village, it happens to work and it, w- it works to the extreme. He becomes an instant celebrity. I could be wrong, but I think it might be the Avatar Day episode when basically they go to, I don't know if it's the same town or a different, I, mean, I think it's a different town, but also based on Avatar Kiyoshi, where he pulls Avatar card and that totally backfires. Like they, yeah. they I don't know if they throw him in prison or, or something. They do. Yeah, I they think I'm thinking that in episode, prison yeah. for being the Avatar and he has to prove that he's innocent for whatever happened. Yeah, I, I can think of another time that was pretty funny and that I thought about after you posed a question is when they're trying to get on the ferries to get into Ba Sing Se. Um, Aang pulls the Avatar card mm-hmm. and no one believes him because there's like all these <laughs> other people trying to be the Avatar. And that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a strange yeah. like plot hole that he just doesn't airbend there. I don't know. Yeah, so uh, when they free themselves or when Aang frees himself, he again pulls out his little marble and does his trick this time. And there's everyone's in such like rapture and awe of the Avatar. Um, all the kind of girls and everyone go go crazy when he does his little little uh airbending trick with the marble so he finally is starting to get the attention that he really wants yeah girls plus foaming mouth guy <laughs> so this is his debut one out of two appearances of his um and so i just 
I did a little research on him because I know he's a fan favorite and everyone really likes him. So he's a resident of Kyoshi Island and he's the Avatar's biggest fan. Um, and he's a creative contribution from Ki Hyun Ryu, um, who's an animator who they knew they were going to have this ultimate fan, but he is the you know, the genius behind adding in the foaming at the mouth, which just is so funny. And another tidbit to kind of round out the character of foaming mouth guy, you know, he has a very complicated past is Brian and Mike once joked at San Diego Comic Con in 2006 that Suki had dated foaming mouth guy, but she was not very proud of it. And doesn't <laughs> like talk about it. Um, and, you know, so maybe it was her first relationship, um, but that's not canon. It's just a, a joke in passing, but they had, you know, they kind of entertained this idea in this, in <laughs> making the history of Suki and of him. Anyways, <laughs> so then there's this transition scene where word of the Avatar being on Kyoshi Island is spreading and it's spreading through these, the passing of fish. So I thought that was, I mean, it's just a really short scene, but really cool. Um, so the fish gets passed from Kyoshi Island to, I think, a merchant on Kyoshi Island um, in this big, this big batch of fish. And then it goes down to a single fish and then it goes onto a, a plate that has a steamed fish onto Zuko's dinner table. Just a small musical note um, in this scene, as they transition from Kyoshi Island to this Zuko scene, as the music plays on and the scene progresses, you start hearing the Fire Nation light motif play, which is kind mm. of like a cool, like musical nod. Um, yeah. So, so Zuko receives word of the Avatar, and he says, uh, "Ready the rhinos," and we see the rhinos later in the episode. But I was just interested in that, like, what was the kind of inspiration be behind the Fire Nation having rhinos? And I think the equivalency here between the, maybe the real world and the rhinos is. The rhinos basically act as horses and horses were kind of militarized and are kind of a technology that was used for war to hurry supplies to the front lines, get, yeah, get supplies and, you know, be quicker and more agile. Mm -hmm. So then we get, we go back to the island and everybody is getting the royal treatment. Appa is being brushed by like 20 people. Um, Aang, Sok and Katara are being treated to this very fancy breakfast. Um, well, I guess Aang and, so Aang and Katara are indulging themselves in Sokka's being pouty in the corner. Um, but he's being pouty because, um, you know, Katara just says he's just upset because a bunch of girls kicked his butt yesterday and he just storms off because it's true. Yeah. One thing I really like about the scene and this whole episode is just really playful in general, but we have Momo here just sneakily stealing food off the table just, just when when Aang and Katara are talking, Bobo's hand just cuts from the bottom of the screen, <laughs> grabbing the food. And later we see Sokka walking around and Bobo's just under the table, making sure he has all the food collected. Just another <laughs> cute detail they added, which I like. Yeah. Yeah, I think another thing about this scene is, again, Katara being mature and reasonable here um, and saying that, yeah, just reminding Aang that we can't stay here for too long. We can't stay in one place, any one place for too long because it's dangerous. And then Aang says, I'm sure we'll be fine. So again, optimism, childishness is his um, childishness is really played up in this episode. But again, I think I I can cut him some slack just after, you know, knowing that this is his first time where he is getting to relax and that he's being praised for being the Avatar. And he's really coming to terms with feeling happy. Like, he, oh, I guess he says 
did you see how happy I'm making this town? They're even cleaning up that statue in my honor. So he's for the very first time feeling good about himself being the avatar and seeing that it makes other people happy. And I think making other people happy is a, is a hallmark of Aang's personality. Yeah. So then at the end of this scene, we have Aang is trying to brush off Katara's comments and he says, I'm just a simple monk. And he looks out the window and he, and like a million girls are chilling, cheering for him. And he just smiles and is reveling in all the attention. So from girls too. Yeah. Which is not so monk-like. <laughs> yeah. And Katara kind of sticks out her tongue at the right at the end. And these are when we start to see, yeah, she is pretty jealous. Yes. <clears throat> I I don't know. I, I think it's kind of strange how Aang is very morally flexible with which rules he follows from his monkhood and which ones he doesn't. <laughs> because yeah. he, he obviously really, uh, spoiler alert, does not want to kill our, our main antagonist. But he's very okay with breaking his celibacy. Maybe since he only, maybe he only trained until he was, because he only trained when he was 12, he didn't get to that part. Maybe they teach that later oh yeah so yeah the the ones so the rules um <laughs> the rules and principles that he doesn't follow were conveniently the ones he hadn't learned yet yeah. <laughs> um uh. so then Sokka um he stormed off at breakfast and he goes to find the Kyoshi warriors part one so he goes into their training center and he's like hi I didn't mean to interrupt your dance lesson so yeah we just see Again, Sokka being extremely sexist. And Suki really plays into this immediately. She's like, oh, I bet, you know, you could teach us some stuff. And Sokka's like, you know, I could show you a few moves if you'd like. And I just really like this power dynamic of this pair already. Um, obviously, we know that they're going to get together. But I just love how much Suki toys with him and just turns his toxic masculinity against him. And I like how she doesn't. Let, like she doesn't even register or take any offense to what he's saying because I, I guess she knows it's so silly and rooted in like insecurity and it just doesn't, you know, it like there, she she's so confident that it doesn't bother her at all. Um, and then the next scene, we get Aang and Katara at the market. So Katara's collecting food for their trip, again, being very motherly and just a, a caretaker um, of the group. And again, responsibly thinking about the next steps. And Aang is like, oh, you know, me and the girls, we're going to go take a ride on Appa. Do you want to come? And then Katara was like, oh, do I want to come watch you show off with a bunch of girls? Like, no, thanks. That doesn't sound like fun. Um, oh, yeah, he says. I don't want to leave Kyoshi yet. And he says it exactly like that. I was like, hello, are you a three-year-old? Like he says exactly like that, like whining, like you're leaving your friend's house or something. Um, and then he says, something makes me like something. I really like something about this place. And it pans over to this crowd of screaming girls. And um, I think this crowd of one girl in the crowd goes, Angie, when are you coming back? And so that's nickname number two in this episode, Angie. Cute little pet name for for him. Yeah, you guys, um, you guys gotta vote in the in the comments in social media on which which nickname you like better. Yeah, Airhead or Angie. Airhead or Angie. <laughs> There's probably one he likes a lot better. In this episode, or in this part of the episode, Katara does say, "Simple monk, huh? I thought this Avatar stuff wouldn't get to your head." So clearly, there's at least Katara understands that monks. <laughs> 
shouldn't be <laughs> into women. And if we're going to take a cue from our good friend Guru Lakima, he should let go of his earthly tether and enter the void. Yeah. So the next scene is Sokka at the... He goes back to the Kyushu Warriors and Suki says, here for another dance lesson. And Sokka at this point is... Um, really humble knows that he or I mean he got destroyed the last time he came so he really this is when he flips the switch and to me feels a little too fast but I don't know people can change there you go so Sokka says I'd be honored if you would teach me and you know it's a quick arc but at least he gets there and Suki says you know we usually don't teach men or outsiders let alone men Um, but Sokka was like, please make an exception this one time. And she says, okay, but you have to follow all of our traditions. Mm -hmm. So the next scene is him in the full, in, in the full Kyoshi warrior gear, a quote unquote dress. Which gives another meaning to Sokka's original statement at the beginning of the episode that where we're going, wouldn't, we wouldn't need any pants or that was Aang's statement, but yeah, he's not wearing pants anymore. No, he's not. Um, and so at first he's kind of like, oh my God, I'm wearing a dress. But then Suki explains some of the history behind some the uh, outfit that they wear. She says that the silk is the veins of bravery and the gold insignia is the honor of a warrior's heart. Yeah, so just a, a couple fun facts about uh, Sokka joining the Kyoshi Warriors. So at this point, he is, you know, has, he's been accepted as an outsider and he is the very first outsider to become a Kyoshi Warrior. The next one is Tai Lee. Um, at the very end of the show, we find out. And another fun fact is just about Suki. Um, her name is actually derived from the Japanese word for moon. Um, interestingly enough, oh. Yue or Rie is moon in Chinese. And both are written the same way. Um, the characters look the same in Japanese and in Chinese. Um, That's crazy. So a, a fun <laughs> little way to relate Sokka's love interests, I guess. Sokka's got a type. <laughs> what's the your moon. type the moon <laughs> but one of them is just named after the moon and one of them is actually the moon Ooh, wow. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it'd be crazy if he has like a, a very like emo x that's like the moon in korean uh, or something. Yeah. <laughs> she's like the dark side oh of my moon. god that's so funny the t- <laughs> um oh man <laughs> So the next scene is Katara and Aang having another little tiff. So uh, Katara is sitting inside playing with some water, water bending, (laughs) playing with water. Um, And Aang says, hey, like, I think I'm going to go ride the Unagi. It's going to be real dangerous. And then Katara says, oh, that's great. Like, have fun. And then he said, he says, you're not going to stop me. And she says, no, I think that's great. And then he says, I know it's great. And then she says, I'm glad, you know. And then he says, I'm glad, you know, I know. And it's just, again, yeah, they're literally five-year-olds again here. Yeah. But just at the end of the argument, like they have this really stupid argument, but at the end, like right when Aang leaves, he turns back to look at Katara and then Katara turns around to look at Aang also. And they, they don't connect eyes, but they both look back. So clearly they both care about each other. They're just having a little argument, but there's something there. Yeah. So then we go to this blossoming relationship that is not problematic with <laughs> Suki and Sokka training. So now Suki is teaching Sokka some of their techniques. Yeah. So Sokka does this kind of form and throws his fan. And then Suki's kind of tells him it's not about strength. It's about using your opponent's force against them. And then she says, um, try to think of the fan as an extension of your arm. 
And that is something that comes up later again when Sokka is training with Piendao in the Fire Nation. They come to the conclusion, um, or the teaching is that the sword must be an extension of, of the arm. And so that's something that comes back and ties back into Sokka's entire arc as a warrior, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And I just think they have really great chemistry in this part of the episode. There's a great back and forth. They're bantering, um, but also they're practicing at the same time. Yeah, there's definitely some mutual respect you see in this scene, which I think like like Sokka's listening to her and then he kind of beats her at one point. But and she like she accepts it and is like proud of him. So it's, it's cool. Despite Sokka being just a blatant massage, yeah. like three <laughs> yeah, hours. She forgets, she she forgets him real quick. <laughs> so then we're back at the... Oh, so Aang said that he was going to go find the Unagi. And so he's at the water. Um, and the girlies, that his fangirls, are getting bored because they uh, the Unagi isn't showing up. I think the scene is great. Something that Brian and Mike do really, really well is have very subtle juxtaposition. So in this scene, uh, Aang is trying to do his little marble trick again to impress the girls. But it's like a very surface level interaction. And he's just doing it because he likes the attention. But in the previous scene, we see this interaction between Suki and Sokka that is much, much deeper. And that the chemistry there feels a lot more natural, even though they are getting attention from each other. So I think Mm -hmm. just cutting directly to this scene kind of jumped out at me as comparing the two. Okay, so then, so after that, after the girls leave, Katara just comes by, and this felt a little unnatural to me. Like Katara <laughs> just comes and basically just wants to apologize, which just like two seasons ago, they're all mad, but whatever. It's it's nice. So Katara people comes change. by. Yeah, people yeah, people change really quickly. Apparently, um, so Katara comes by, and then Aang's in the water, and they kind of like make up everything. Um, Katara's like, I wanted to make sure you were safe uh i'm sorry and then ang's like no i'm sorry i was being a jerk and then everything's happy they're all resolved and then ah, that's how kids make up yeah no it's good i guess they are kids though so then the unagi shows up dun 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 perfect timing (laughs) for the plot so (laughs) the unagi comes up and starts spraying water everywhere and oh ang is in the water at this point and it starts going crazy and waving its head up all around in the air. And Aang is at this point holding on to its whiskers and being flung around. And then Katara is trying to save him. And so she's swimming out into the water kind of slowly, just as a normal person would swim. Um, <laughs> and she or, and then she finally gets to him. And again, we see Katara when in moments in desperate times honing her water bending skills and just getting a, a burst or a boost of power and she propels them back to shore and i think you know similar to how in the first episode when she was on the fire on zuko's ship and she was able to f- kind of look away and freeze zuko uh, the zuko's troops um and this moment she kind of just she does this move um and that's quite powerful out of desperation and gets them back to shore not similar to Zuko's ship <laughs> is in Zuko's ship, Aang's thrown off, kind of loses consciousness in the water, and he enters the Avatar state. So what is that plot hole? Why does that ha- that happen here? I don't know. Does the subconscious know that Katara is going to save him? Oh, yeah, that is a really good question. Do the other avatars already approve of Katara? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lives have given their blessing <laughs> i kind of think in mulan when like all the ancestors are up there bickering over oh my god yeah. that's so funny 
That's like, don't worry, she's got him. She's got him. Yeah, we don't the, have to. We don't have to come in yet. <laughs> they're shipping them too. So the next scene is back um, to Zuko, and Zuko's ship is coming to Kyoshi Island because again they got word that the Avatar is on Kyoshi Island, and Katara is like Zuko to herself, and this just really struck me because I was like, wait a second, how does she know his name? And I actually I was trying to think, and I was. I was trying to think that maybe when they were on the ship, they heard, did they hear Iroh scream his name? Um, and I, I honestly don't remember, but in my research, it people referred to this as a goof that they actually, at this point, shouldn't know his name, but somehow Katara does. Mm. I don't know, maybe you guys remember differently. My thing is, there's only four countries in the world, and he is the famous banished prince of one of the countries that is trying to take over the world. So <laughs> they probably know his name. Yeah, I guess as they showed earlier with the fish thing, like gossip does travel quickly. Yeah, so, I don't know. Even yeah. before there was the internet. Yeah, even before the internet, <laughs> people talked. Who people knew? loved gossip. <laughs> the um, speed of aunties and uncles. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Wait. Also, um, when Zuko comes up on shore, Katara is kind of holding Aang in her arms, and Aang is still unconscious. And what Katara does is she water bends the water out of Aang's lungs and Aang wakes mm. up. And this is the first time we see Katara using or any water bending using or finding water in kind of unnatural places or, or places where you wouldn't really originally think there's water, uh, which might allude to f further adventures in water bending, like blood bending, etc. And it's uh, Katara dipping her toes into healing. In general, mm, yeah. and, I, and I think how she has a natural instinct to do to be able to do that. So next scene is Suki and Sokka. Um, they're still training, and Oyaji, the leader of the village, says, "Quick, firebenders have arrived. Come quickly, um, come quickly, girls." So all the warriors are called to action, which includes Sokka. Yeah, and then Sokka at this point says, "Hey, I'm not a," and then he says, "Ah, whatever." So maybe there's a little bit of growth there. He's, there he's is. He's internalized it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they're all warriors at this point. Another really funny thing about this uh, this part of the episode is Oyaji in the captions. It just says old man colon. <laughs> so even the caption people didn't fake. know. <laughs> yeah, maybe Who a knows? big maybe a big fan of him just made a name for him on the interwebs. <laughs> um. So then Zuko has hit the town. He has landed and he's like, come out, Avatar. Um, but first, the warriors of Kiyoshi try to take him down and there's just some fighting. There's some action here. So, yeah, the warriors are really coming at Zuko. And there is a moment where there are three warriors trying to fight Zuko and he pretty easily fights them off. Um, and he does this by breaking out his famous breakdancing move that we saw in the last episode, which he used <laughs> to throw Zhao off his off his balance and so yeah we saw it in the last Agni Kai and apparently he uses this move in all the Agni Kais maybe except the one against his dad which was really not fair um but I mean oh, yeah. I think in the one against Azula too yeah, he does he this does. so yeah um yeah it's a really powerful move his for signature Zuko. move it is a signature his move. signature move after Zuko roundhouse kicks them out he kind of kicks them out in a certain order Sokka is the last one to defend so it's quite possible that Sokka learned some of Zuko's fighting skills when he fights him after they land in the village. So mm -hmm. Sokka is a quick learner. Um, yeah. So immediately after that, we see Suki trying to fight Zuko, but she kind of loses some ground and Zuko's about to uh, shoot a 
fireball at Suki, but Sokka comes in and saves her, which is kind of cool. So Suki taught taught Sokka, and now Sokka comes to her aid, and it shows how they're like synchronized, and and you know Sokka has actually learned some skills and can stand up to Zuko and and save Suki too. Um, and then. Uh, Zuko's still baiting the Avatar, and he's like, "Nice try. These little girls can't save you." So Zuko also shares in this like hyper aggressive kind of misogyny that Sokka had, but it's yeah. still it's still something Zuko like feels clearly. Yeah, and when does that ever get resolved? Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe that is less of maybe it's less of like a specifically like a gender thing that he has to move on. It's more, I don't know, maybe it is too, but it's more just like his hyper aggressiveness. And as he like cools off, he kind of accepts that too. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it comes out of nowhere a little for, for him. Um, anyways, so then, yeah. And then Aang comes in and because Katara has revived him and he airbends against Zuko um, and he just, like throw Zuko aside and he is flying above the village at, after that and sees all the devastation that he's brought. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, when Aang fights Zuko, he just takes this fan and uses this really overpowered airbending move with this fan to knock Zuko like really far away. So, so he's clearly using this fan to kind of magnify his airbending. So why doesn't he just always carry a fan with him? Like, where, where does he keep this marble? You know, he could just keep a fan there. He just, <laughs> like, he could just bring whip that out whenever he's fighting Zuko. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the Agni Kai music starts playing in this scene. Um, but as, as Aang is running, he looks back and sees the statue of Kyoshi burning. And I think that's a pretty common thread that we see a lot throughout Avatar is paraphernalia of the avatar burning or being destroyed so Aang constantly has to deal with his own mortality mm. especially because for twice throughout the show people think he's dead um mm -hmm. but finally he gets back to katara and he says look what i brought to this place and then she has the audacity to say it's not your fault like come on like the whole reason <laughs> they're being attacked is because the avatar was spotted on on the island yeah um then sokka and suki oh so we just we just fell in love with them and now they have to say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> so they Sokka finds out that they're leaving and the, so they're hide, kind of hiding behind a building. And um, Suki says, there's no time for goodbye. And Sokka says, what about I'm sorry? I treated you like a girl when I should have treated you like a warrior. And <laughs> my first instinct was, wait. Um, I treated you like a girl. You should also yeah. be treating girls with respect, Sokka. Yeah, that wasn't so the greatest I don't know. apology. It wasn't like... a great apology. And I was like, okay, so I think the reason, like, does this just mean he will now respect girls who are good warriors, but not just girls <laughs> yeah. in general? <laughs> um, which, I, okay. you know, he doesn't, he doesn't disrespect any more women for the rest of the show, but it wasn't the best apology. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe they literally just wrote this line to set up for the next line so yeah kind of the writing is like throughout the whole episode has been like yeah, you know like yeah <laughs> i was not impressed by this apology and then suki yeah. says i'm a warrior but i'm a girl too um and then sokka gets his first kiss so suki kisses him on the cheek and Aww. he like blushes and it's really cute um 
But is it Suki's first kiss? Was her first kiss? Maybe that's why maybe she doesn't why go she for a kiss her. on yeah. the mouth. <laughs> um anyways so then (laughs) yeah and then they have to you know then they have to say goodbye to suki so which is sad but luckily they bring her back later something that i thought about when she said that line is suki and Sokka are basically parallels from the same village they're very similar in that they are the lead warrior in their village where they don't really have any they don't have any role models in their village. So, for example, Sokka, all the men in his tribe have left for war. And with Suki, there doesn't seem to be any older Kyoshi warriors. Perhaps they have also gone off to do their thing. There doesn't seem to be any older men. Um, forget the n- name, but old man clearly is an old man. <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're kind of like figuring out their place in the world. And they're in a very similar position. Yeah. Yeah. And this, I think, kind of ties back to this whole like theme of war is that they are growing up without role models. Yeah. Um, so then they have to leave on Appa sadly and they're flying away and Katara is again, trying to comfort Aang that and tell him that this is the best decision, that the only thing they can do is kind of run. And she says, Zuko would have destroyed the whole place if we had stayed. Um, but Aang, has a moment where he just looks back at the village and sees everything burning and knows that he has to do at least something to right his wrongs a little. And so he dives into the water to go find the Unagi. And right when he jumps off of Appa, the Avatar theme kicks in and he kind of conquers the Unagi is riding on its back and uh, the Unagi starts spraying water onto the rest of the village. And so it's some it's a very, very heroic act. Yes. So Aang just dive bombs off Appa. <laughs> like no parachute. Clearly he's just gone mad because earlier they didn't see the Unagi either. So he's just completely irrational. And then the Unagi <laughs> conveniently comes up. But then he water like he like bends the Unagi, like gets it to spray the water at Right at the village. I don't know. All I'm saying is <laughs> Unagi Bendy. A lot of things work out for Aang. Um, and then he's spraying, he's, you know, putting out the fires, and the old man Oyaji says, Thank you, Avatar. Yeah, this was an interesting line, and he kind of said it looking out the window, like looking at the Avatar. So clearly this is something that Aang didn't hear. But I, I kind of like to think that, or it kind of frames like what Aang is doing in a certain way. So this is basically the first time like Aang can take pride in doing something as the Avatar. Uh, his whole thing so far has been that so many people hate him for kind of hiding for a hundred years. And he thinks that was kind of an act of cowardice and he's really scared of owning up to it until this episode. And he knows that a lot of people blame him as Avatar. So, but this is the first time He's done, I guess, debatably, he's done something actually good as Avatar. And this is something he can really take pride in. I don't know. I disagree. I think if I was this old man, I'd be like, this little kid comes to my island. We've stayed out of the war so far. We're like Switzerland. But, um, you know, Germany really hates this one kid. So now they're just tearing through our lands and they've burned down my entire town. I would be kind of mad. I, I don't think Aang gets any any moral absolution here he overstayed his welcome where in the beginning katara was like we should move on they're chasing us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he stays the whole time it's his fault and the fact that he puts out a couple fires here and there doesn't take back the fact that he basically burned down this entire village and now zuko is there and 
you know, if we're going to think about the realities of war, they might take it out on the village. Yeah. But Zuko hasn't done that in the past. He didn't do that to the Southern Water Tribe. Yeah, but I guess Old Man doesn't know that. Yeah, so I don't know. It's not <laughs> it's not the best, maybe, like, it's not the most convincing writing. Um, but, yeah. I do think, though, that even though I'd agree, I agree, it's his fault. He does that. He goes that extra mile to at least do what he can after the damage has been done to make it a little bit better. Um, even though he didn't have to. And mm-hmm. he says, I know that was stupid and dangerous, which it was. So he was putting himself in a lot of danger to be able mm-hmm. to at least, you know, like ameliorate the situation a tiny bit, even though it's, I agree. It's clearly his fault. He was so stupid and annoying this episode. So. Yeah. Avatar Kiyoshi is probably seething inside him right now. Oh my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So. He saves the village, debatably. And then in the end, as they're riding on Appa, Katara hugs him after Aang says, I know that was stupid and dangerous. Katara's like, you did the right thing. And he, they, you know, they finally hug and it's all totally resolved. And Aang finally gets the attention and affection. Of the one person who matters the most. From the one person who matters the most. And it was because he did something real and lived up to his duty and did the right thing. And instead of some trooper tricks and showing off and raw talent, it's the doing the right thing that gets you the attention, the real attention and affection mm-hmm. of the ones you love. Hmm. Katara does look very smitten at this point in time. I would just like to point that out. I would also like to point out, like, I don't even know if like him doing this was quote unquote the right thing. It's completely irrational. Like... He, he jumps in the water hoping the Unagi is going to come up when like it's a 50-50 so far. And he just jumps off, doesn't bring his parachute. Like he could die for all we know. Yeah. But that's that's the that's the courage, I guess. Or it's know. or he's still just as cocky as he was the rest of the episode. Nah, I don't think so. I think there's <laughs> growth, real growth from that moment. Yeah. So that concludes this episode. Um, and as always, we're gonna finish off with our ratings. So IMDB gave this one an 8.2 out of 10. So what is that? I'm not going to be able to keep track of all of them, but uh, it's somewhere in between the first two episodes, episodes one and episode two. Um, so who wants to kick it off? Yeah, I'll kick it off. I'm giving this episode a three out of 10. Uh, (laughs) definitely my lowest rating so far. By far. (laughs) Yeah, by far. Probably the lowest rating for a while. Actually, maybe not for a while. Uh, but I think, okay, good parts of this episode. I think it was very funny and very cute, but I think a lot of what they did was just on the nose and it was too blatant. And it was more like in the, in the first two episodes and the third episode, there was, we were talking about show don't tell. And there was a lot of that, but in this episode, there was a lot of telling. Yeah. And so that's why I'm going to give it a three. I give this episode a five. It's a pretty standard C. There's, I don't think any huge plot holes or anything going on here. I think it's a very well researched episode in that it has a lot of ties to the real world. Um, I really appreciate the Kyushu Warriors. I don't know, Suki might be one of my favorite characters. So there's a plus for that, you know. I, I just think it's an average episode. I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's a five. I'm going to split the difference again. <laughs> but I'm going to split the difference and give it a four out of 10. Um, yeah, I just I think I'm not going to say it was an average episode for the show, because I think in my mind. 
okay, maybe this is me thinking average is like average for the show is like, yay, like good, you know, Um, (laughs) but a four out of 10, I would say, because I do think a lot of it is very, it's just very in your face. And I think the dialogue is just childish and it's frankly just annoying how Aang is behaving and how him and Katara kind of have these stupid spats and and Sokka is obviously very irritating for most of the episode and I don't know I really hate when characters are like just unlikable in general and I think Aang is such a great character in general and this is him Mm -hmm. at his peak annoying levels um so for that reason I'm gonna give it a four so that wraps up this episode. Um, as always, thank you guys so much for listening um, and tuning into the episode this week. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of the Warriors of Kyoshi. As always, we release on WhatsApp on Wednesday, so we'll see you here next week for our discussion of King of Omashu. In the meantime, if you want to stay up to date on when we're releasing or submit your thoughts or questions on this episode or any other episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender, feel free to follow us on Instagram or Twitter at at what's underscore appa, like our Facebook page, or you can email us snail mail at what's appapod at gmail.com. Um, thanks again so much, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Blame me, Hotman. Hotman.